Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So the uh, the title of the the talk is uh, shifting perspective. <clears throat> it might be more uh, as it's sometimes called a dharmet than a dharma talk. We'll see how if if I have that much to say. But um, I <clears throat> isn't that kind of sweet, you know. Uh, at least you, you you know you're not in for a long evening, um, but I, I'm going to say a few words. We'll see how many words come out, and then uh, have a conversation and explore and explore practice. Mm. Last week talked about um, impermanence. And truth of impermanence and the um, the continual transformation. How nothing in this in this physical plane remains static; that is continually changing. Uh, which is probably something you heard when you first started getting into the practice, but uh, and have heard for as long as you've been practicing. But to look at the implications of that. And to see, not only does this mean that there's loss, which often is the mm, the emphasis, the, the hard part about impermanence, but also that there's infinite creativity, that the world is continually transforming itself. So impermanence isn't uh, bad news, isn't good news, it's just news. It's always news. That's the point. It's always new and always news. Um, and one uh, central um, reality of the fact that everything is changing is that it's always unpredictable. This is such a creative universe. We, we might think we know what's coming around the corner, but we don't. You never know. You don't know. Hmm. Actually, uh, now this reminds me of a story to tell. I haven't, this is an old story. If you've been re- doing retreats for years and years, maybe you, you know this, um, but I haven't said it here in a few years, so I'll say it here. The, the, uh, the story on uh, not knowing about this, um, this, old, um, this old rabbi in... Uh, uh, Tsarist Russia, who every day walks to the temple, goes across the town square, and goes to the temple to pray, and passes the this, um, Cossack uh, policeman who uh, sees him every morning. Oh, hey, Rabbi. Oh. And this one day, this the policeman was <clears throat> in a very foul mood. He got up off uh, on the wrong side of the bed, and he sees the rabbi going across, he says, where are you going, rabbi? And the rabbi turns and says, I don't know. And he says, what do you mean you don't know? For the last 20 years, every morning, you've been going across this town square 
to go to the temple. You're telling me you don't know where you're going? What are you trying to make a fool out of me? And with that, he grabs him by the scruff of the neck and he takes him to the, uh, the local jail, opens the door, th- about to throw him in. I'll show you, you make a fool out of me. And as he's throwing, throwing him in, the rabbi says, you see, you don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that was new for a few people. Yeah. But life is unpredictable. We never know. We might think we know, but we don't know. And it's the, this unreliability that is another name for um, dukkha. You know the word dukkha that is often, usually translated as suffering, D-U-K-K-H-A. I I was a fifth grade teacher, I should know how to spell it. D-U-K-K-H-A, which is usually translated as suffering, also translated as unreliability or unsatisfactoriness, but this unreliability of not knowing um, is uh, often, uh, often throws off, us off balance and creates suffering when life doesn't meet our expectations. Another translation for the word dukkha is stress, which is how we often get when things don't, when things take us by surprise and we are contracted due to our not feeling secure or feeling uh, understanding what's happening next. When you get thrown off balance, that's when things not only get very unsettled, but we can become kind of contracted and vigilant and fearful or angry or frustrated or why is this happening? And we get stressed. So what brought this, this topic on was um, uh, a juxtaposition of a few experiences in the last few days that uh, made me take a look at the fact that it's all, whatever perspective you have makes a difference as far as how much stress or not stress there is. So it started with um, this, uh, this postcard that I mentioned that uh, put some work into about this, <clears throat> this upcoming course, which I was, I'm really kind of excited about. It's, it, it, you know, it, it, this is a, an exciting time f- of me, uh, for me for the year as I'm starting another um, Awakening Joy course and good lineup of people, and lots of people seem to get some benefit out of it. So I had this made up and um, had a mailing go out to um, 7,000 people that, who had done some practice uh, through Spirit Rock with me. And then the day after that, um, there was an email blast that went out to about 10,000 people who've done the course over the last 10 years. So it was going out to 17,000 people saying, check out the course. It's pretty good. 
the day after both of those, the website crashed and completely shut down. This is right after you say, now go to the website. It's waiting there for you. We're waiting there for you. And keep on pressing the button. What is this flaky thing about? Anybody tried to get on the website? And, oh, yeah. So, um, I wasn't the embodiment of equanimity. Um, <laughs> I have to uh, admit, um, there were some moments, especially as they, the, the server, the website host said, uh, he kept on posting, oh, we're going to get it fixed in a few hours, you know, and this is over like three days, right? <clears throat> and I'd be getting emails from people, you know, who they're posting on Facebook, I'm trying to get into your stupid course and it's not, <laughs> it's not happening. No, they didn't say that, but that was... Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, you, I want you to know that, you know, a lot of warm, friendly, I, I want you to know your, your website is down, and, um, and I'm thinking of the other people who aren't so kind-hearted, who are just saying, oh, who cares about that course, right? So, uh, this went on for a few days, uh, and I was frustrated. Every now and then I'd remember, oh, just breathe. Yeah, but it's down. Let go. It's not. That big. God damn it. <laughs> and then um, within that period, within that three day period and a day or two after, um, some different pieces of news uh, came to to me. One, um, and these are, uh, this is on a more serious side, uh, often things and accidents and terrible uh, and deaths, have you ever noticed they often come in threes? Anybody, I see some nodding. Three um, very sad pieces of news. Um, one, and I'll uh, maybe some of you know um, a couple of these people, so I'll just kind of share it with you, and you can just absorb it your own. One is that um, Bo Lozoff, who ha- has come here a couple of times, started the prison ashram project and. Uh, very inspiring guy who wrote the kind of um, spiritual Bible for many people in prison called We're All Doing Time. Very, very charismatic and dynamic uh, man um, was killed in, an auto, in a motorcycle accident. Um, I didn't know about it. It happened the end of November, but I just found out on Monday... And when I found out, it was like, oh, my goodness. Um, And that took a little while to just breathe through. Another passing, 
and perhaps this is also somebody that maybe some of you know, she at times uh, has uh, taught at Spirit Rock and was an integral part of the diversity uh, council and committee and uh, people of color retreats and um, a very um, mm, key player in our community, a woman named Marlene Jones Schoonover. Um, had a sudden heart attack. I think she was like 50, in her 50s, and uh, and died. They they actually pulled the um, took her off life support on Tuesday, I think. And that again was like, oh my goodness, wow. And then the third one was the sister of somebody that. Uh, that I know and and really care about, um, who uh, took her life. I didn't know the sister, but I know my friend uh, well and really care about her. And uh, she was uh, she was found in her in her car and had taken her life. So just kind of take a breath and let those things sink in. So, uh, and, and one of the things that had come to me, my mom is, uh, is 94 now, and um, some, some of you know my mom, and she's coming towards the end. She, she's, she's, she's ready to go. Um, still has, I just spoke to her couple of hours ago has a great attitude but she said I I've lived a long life I don't have you know nobody owes me anything I'm very blessed that's that was her practice these last five years um, and uh, of gratitude and uh, I've been kind of merging my reality with hers of being ready to go I speak to her quite often these days and uh, and every time as I thought about the, the postcards, you know, and there was a part of me saying, oh, God, that website still isn't up. It was, um, the thought started coming to me, if I were dying, how important would these postcards be? Or how important would most anything be? What would really matter? And each, it, this is like the um, old uh, Carlos Castaneda um, teaching from uh, the Don Juan books, to keep death over your shoulder. He'd say, keep it over your left shoulder uh, as an advisor. That if you have, have that as your um, ongoing reality that any moment you could die, uh, it does shift the perspective about things. And this is also, as we've mentioned here a number of times, what the Buddha said to reflect every day that we are subject to old age, sickness, death, everyone and every, everything near and dear to us will be separated from us and we are the owners of our karma. Those are the five uh, 
daily reflections. And it's done to partly to not be surprised by reality when it expresses itself in those ways, but also to wake us up to both being fully alive and to hold that other perspective so that whatever you're going through is held a bit more lightly. It's so interesting how we can get tunnel vision about whatever we might be going through and think, "Uh uh-oh, now I've got myself stuck for good. Or not for good, but permanently. Now there's no exit. And we... We create this reality that is very limited looking through a particular lens that becomes our whole world, as I'm, I'm also remembering when I, when I first, um, when I was uh, just starting high school, I was in, uh, in, lived in New York, and I went to, um, I got into this uh, special high school in New York, very um, high academic um, standards. Um, if you're from New York, you might know Stuyvesant High School, where all my friends went. And we all went together. Um, and the first, mm, within the first month, uh, there was a surprise chem test, chemistry test. And I had, up to that point, never gotten less than like 85 or so on any tests that I'd taken. This test, which was a surprise test, and I was kind of struggling a bit through chemistry, out of 10 questions, I got three right. So I got a 30 on my test. And there was a big, big in red, 30. Uh, I can see it now, you know, (laughs) the decades later. A number of decades later, you know, <laughs> 30. And my mind, it, it, it just couldn't take it in. It couldn't comprehend. Oh my God, I didn't just fail. I got a 30. And I remember that, hmm. It's amazing how the body can feel it as well as the mind. I remember, I didn't tell my, my parents. I just... I didn't know where my life was headed after that. <laughs> but I, I, what, I didn't have the courage to tell my parents at that time. And I remember lying in bed, and I was sure I was going to um, flunk out of high school, be a dropout, and uh, end up on, um, in New York, they call it the, the Bowery. That's um, the area. And I saw myself very clearly. That was the direction I was headed with a bottle of wine, you know, as everybody on the Bowery had in those days. I wonder what the Bowery is like these days. Um, Skid Row. And uh, that's where I was. And I knew this was, my path was 
clear now. I thought I was going in one direction, but I was headed for, you know, a bottle of wine on the Bowery because I got a 30. This is what in Buddhist teachings is called papancha, which is the, the mind proliferates and gets stuck on one particular seed or one particular grain of sand and creates a whole pearl of a reality out of it. And when we do that, we are locking ourselves in a prison that can't see the forest for the trees or can't see beyond this limited reality that that we have. And the way it works is when the mind gets very stressed and is tight, there's not enough space to see another reality. And so it can get stuck in either worry or fear or anger or jealousy or wanting all of the unwholesome states, states that lead to suffering and pain, are about, <clears throat> have to do with the mind getting very contracted, the body also as well, very contracted, and there's not enough space to see things clearly. In, in a neuroscience um, uh, research study that I think was done uh, down in uh, UCLA. They, um, they tracked people's thoughts about when they're caught in, uh, in some kind of unwholesome state, particularly worry was this study. And it was shown that um, when you're worried or somehow caught in this contracted state, but it was the rut of worry, I, I forget how they induced it, that the, the mind um, can't come up with creative solutions. And what happens is it just keeps on playing around in itself and keeping on hitting this very um, merciless replay button. You know how that is, right? Just keep on playing it over and over well, what if that happens? You know? But what if it does happen? You know, and, mm, 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 mm. So I, I'm, as my mom has, you know, said, it, she's. I come from a lineage of worriers. My my mother says, if she has nothing, she can't think of anything to worry about. That's when she really gets worried. Because right? <laughs> it's just kind of like. If that's your M.O., it's like, well, that, that's what gives your mind something to do, and it's kind of keeping things at bay if I worry enough. Um, but the mind can't come up with, with creative solutions, and it just gets in this rut of worry. And one of the ways that uh, mindfulness works, and this is what uh, in, in this study they were tracking, is if you can, and they they would um, hook up the brains with um, electrodes. When you can name, when you can label the mind state that you're in mindfully, saying, for instance, oh, this is worry, or this is fear, or this is, you're naming, not with judgment, but you're just naming, oh, that's the mind state that's happening. 
you're actually moving from the part of the brain that's activating that fear response, you know, associated with the amygdala and, and, uh, and vigilance and, and contraction, and you're moving to um, the neocortex that is kind of seeing the bigger picture and seeing, oh, that's what's going on, and you're actually jumping from that part that's just perpetuating to the part that's seeing clearly, oh, that's what's going on. Does that make sense? So this whole idea about shifting perspective is about getting out of our tight prison that the mind is creating to seeing things with a bit more space. As the word vipassana means, you know, insight meditation is also called vipassana meditation. And vipassana is... the one translation of vipassana is to see things clearly. That when you see things clearly, you're not lost in this confusion and ignorance and and fear and attachment and aversion. And that shift of getting another perspective is really the... um, the movement towards greater equanimity. Not that it's available at the touch of a button, but equanimity, uh, which is one of the seven factors of enlightenment, is uh, a kind of spaciousness, a spacious stillness. There's different factors. There's mindfulness, then there's three energizing factors, investigation, uh, energy, and joy. And then there's three calming factors, calm, concentration, and equanimity. And those three calming factors all have to do with some, some way or another stilling the mind. Calm is a kind of, this is how I think of it anyway, is a kind of settled stillness. The mind just kind of settles down. Concentration is a, a kind of focused stillness where you're, it, it gets very laser-like and, there's, and things don't disturb because you're so absorbed. And equanimity is a kind of spacious stillness where there's enough space for everything and the mind doesn't get so ruffled because it sees the bigger picture. And a big part of practice is just, not just on the cushion, but in our daily life, keeping on coming back to the bigger picture, the bigger picture, the bigger picture. This is what happens when you do a retreat. If you've, if you know, if you've done a retreat, you know that after a while, you might have come to the retreat really frenetic or uptight or whatever, and after a few days of mindfulness, hello? <laughs> you rang? Um, after a few days of mindfulness, uh, there's a kind of space that opens up. And you see things more clearly, and you say, and you saw, oh, I was so freaked out about that, you know. Oh, it's 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 not that big a deal. You, know? you just get more. Sp- 
the mind kind of loosens up and as soon as it does, it's not even that you've got to figure anything out. Just with that greater space, you're not caught up in the tension of the mind and so things become more obvious and you're creating another perspective. And sometimes even on retreat, as if you've done retreat, you know, you can get caught up in stuff, but it's the mind is more malleable and you can change things more quickly because there is that, um, that inclination towards openness and ease. And all it takes is sometimes a change of energy. Like when I get caught in retreats and say I've been somehow spinning in my mind for a while, I, I can usually feel it after, you know, couple of hours you know well i'm i think i'm in a mood here my motto is um if all else fails take a shower (laughs) because somehow just changing the energy that way take a shower it's like you're 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 just taking a mental break letting a few negative ions Uh, go and cleanse your mind and your body, and there's a shift of energy. Ah, fresh, fresh start. And so I want to just point out something that we all, I think, intuitively know, but just to keep in our practice, to find ways when we are getting caught to shift our perspective from that narrow to a wider one. Mindfulness, obviously, is one when you can see things clearly. Oh, freaking out, that's what's going on, okay, instead of being in the middle of it. Mm. Going out in nature. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll just mention a few, but I, 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 I'm curious to hear what what you do to shift your perspective. Just getting some space, even just walking and moving your body, getting out of your head and into your body brings another perspective on things. Oh, yeah. Even just to get grounded and realize, oh, I'm on planet Earth. This is nice. And especially being out in nature helps us, of course, be more connected. We all know this. Mm. Having a sense of humor. Again, it creates a space in the mind because if you're able to laugh, it's like you're tight from all the contraction in the body and in the mind. And if you can laugh, even just to start to laugh, you know, kind of loosens things up a bit and you kind of see the absurdity of it. And if you're, if you can laugh, either about how freaked out you are or, or the absurdity of the, the situation, then you're in on the joke instead of the butt of the joke, as I say. Uh, so having a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Another way that we shift our perspective, of course, is to reach out to somebody and get a reality check. That's why we go to friends or therapists or counselors or, uh, or confidants because we're so locked into our own reality 
And then you bounce it off of somebody else and you kind of see it opens things up. And again, you're moving from that intense firing in your brain to a wider angle. I was uh, also in these last few days, I I happened to um, um, notice something on on TV, a Nova program that I was, uh, I looked at for a few minutes. I just caught the very end of it. Uh, Jane and I were watching and it was talking about um, uh, dark energy and uh, deep, the deep field. Is it called? Yeah, the deep field. Anybody happen to see that the other day? And what they, um, and it was um, particularly focusing on the, the Hubble telescope and on telescopes. And what they did, what the Hubble telescope did, it looked out into one, um, I think it was the Hubble telescope that did this, but uh, it was some telescope looked out into a particular area in the, um, in the sky the size of a straw to the human eye right? and focused on it for 10 days and just kept on taking, um, taking pictures, going deeper and deeper and deeper into this blank spot of like a, a you know a billionth of the sky something like it was you know infinitesimal spot and as they kept on going deeper and deeper after 10 days they this was like a, a decade or so uh, or uh, 15 years or so they found this there it turns out that in that nothingness were um, 3,000 galaxies each with billions of stars. That kind of gives you a bigger perspective on things, you know? And that, astronomy has always been my, uh, well, that was, that was my first draw to the spiritual life. I used to drag my parents to the Hayden Planetarium. I grew up in New York, and, uh, you know, every six weeks they changed the show. And uh, I'd say, uh, I just go to the, uh, watch the sky show and go, wow, wow. And when you can have that perspective and really see the big, big, big picture that this earth that we're on is tinier than the tiniest speck and on this earth is all of life as we know it. And one of the dramas going on in this life is you and your story and your ups and your downs and your uh, sorrows and joys. Since it's the only thing going on in your world, you know, it's the only, as Ramdas says, it's the only dance there is. And it's the only show in town, so it's not to be taken lightly. But when you, but when you see that vaster experience, it just changes things. 
I was talking to somebody today who was having um, a hard time letting go of uh, pain of an anger that that she had felt towards somebody for the last few years. And they were going to have to deal with this person and it was really um, um, unsettling to to think about how to work this through. Because this person was very difficult for my friend. And um, as we were talking and talking about the pain that she was having holding on to this anger, um, and I was saying, this is, this is not something you're doing for the other person. This is something you're doing for, your, for yourself if you feel like it. And I shared that quote that I, that I love that I've shared here before from Desmond Tutu who says, uh, forgiveness is the, high, is the highest form of self-interest. I need to forgive so that my own anger and lust for revenge does not corrode my own being. And as we, and that kind of touched her, and it, as we were talking about it, there was something that kind of softened a bit in her heart, and as tears came, and I shared with her my own experience of shifting perspective with a difficult person in, um, uh, in my own loving-kindness practice. This is a number of years ago. Somebody who was really hard uh, for me a good person, but just there'd been stuff that just really would get to me. And uh, it was really hard for me to let go. And there I was doing six weeks of loving kindness practice. And you, when you get to the difficult category, you're practicing doing loving kindness for this person. And it was clear who my, I had somebody in my cast. Okay. I and I was practicing sending metta towards this person for a while, and then, uh, but it was it was okay. It wasn't really opening my heart. And this image came to me as I was doing this. Of uh, I write about this in the book Awakening Joy, actually, um, of being in a hall with the Dalai Lama. And if you've ever been around the Dalai Lama, and if in some circumstances, if there's time, there's a blessing where you go up with a, a scarf, and uh, and he takes it and then he blesses it and puts it on on your shoulder. And it's really wonderful if you ever have a chance to do that. And there was this. So there we all were in this hall, going through the line, meeting the Dalai Lama, and there was. All of a sudden, I noticed my difficult person was like three or four people from the Dalai Lama. And there they were getting closer and closer. And I was watching this scene, and I was seeing, you know, he was so compassionate and loving. And then all of a sudden, I imagined being the Dalai Lama and receiving this person's scarf and blessing them. And just try to imagine what the Dalai Lama would see in this person. And as I did, the words that came to me as, as this person was in front of me, oh, and here's another Buddha. Oh dear, 
here's a Buddha too. Getting shivers saying it because I remembered that moment. All of a sudden, my story about them just poof, vanished. Of course, this, person's, this person was dedicated to the Dharma, dedicated to serving the, the Dharma. How could I miss that? And my heart opened up. And actually, we uh, ended up having a, a really a shift in our relationship. Uh, she's passed away now uh, at this point, but had a really good um, shift after a while. Uh, that, that continued until she passed away. In a moment of just shifting that perspective and seeing it from another angle. So, um, this has turned into more than a dharmet, I can see. But before we, we uh, um, maybe have a little discussion, I just invite you to close your eyes for a moment and notice if there's um, any particular issue or topic or situation that you somehow find yourself getting stuck on, whether it's worry or anger or fear or wanting. It's just part of being human, so there's nothing wrong with it. But if you find that you Keep on getting stuck. Just notice for a few moments the pattern that your mind spins in. And now See if you can shift. Imagine that it wasn't you looking at this. Imagine it was a wise being looking at this. A Buddha or Kuan Yin or Mother Mary looking at this. Or somehow getting that spaciousness that can see from a broader perspective in the bigger scheme of your life. Is there another way to hold this? Is there another perspective that you can shift to that can soften your heart just a bit? And that might include having real compassion for the times or the ways that you get stuck. Because it's in the softening that there's a possibility of transforming that suffering into compassion. You might, even as you do it, just uh, put your hand on your, on your heart for a moment so that there's a kind of tenderness in the, in the experience. That in itself can shift 
perhaps this, this week when you find yourself getting stuck in this, in this spin cycle to just practice taking a step back, getting a wider picture, noticing and real remembering how everything passes, including circumstances and even the stuckness, if we can give space for it to. So it's almost time to go. Any, if there's any question or comment before we go, we can take a moment. Okay, then we'll close with a short loving kindness. Something that also shifts the perspective when you're feeling kind of alone and isolated is thinking of all the people who might be going through a similar challenge to what you're going through in the world. That opens up the perspective from why me to... um, part of the human experience. And so sending loving kindness towards yourself. May I see through my confusions and contractions and see things clearly. May I open up to the love and the clarity and the peace that's inside. And then extending that out to everyone else, to all beings. May all see through their confusion. May confusion dawn as wisdom, as it says in Tibetan teachings. May all open to the love and clarity and peace inside. And may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our lives, and ripple out to be of benefit to all beings everywhere. very much. Okay. See you next week. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.